Let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 8. That is where we're going to be in God's Word this morning, Acts chapter 8. Again, it never surprises me um, when we have baby dedication service or when we have graduate recognition service and I see these kindergartners and high schoolers and college grads. You know, I began um, as a youth pastor at this church back in 1993. Some of you weren't even born then. And uh, which, let me just go ahead and tell you, you know, the average age of the, the church member this morning is cut in half because we had like 19 infants in here. And so uh, you can feel better right now, right? You feel energized? I know I do. But back in 1993, I became youth pastor and uh, it, it was incredible. You know, God gave me an opportunity to, to work with students and to work with moms and dads and uh, there were many divine appointments, I believe. I, I was introduced to, to students and families that maybe I would have never been introduced to had I not surrendered to God and His calling in my life to be a youth pastor. And, and then I became a coach and a teacher. And, you know, I, again, just so many people that I was able to uh, interact with and, you know, teach, uh, educate, but also live life with. Um, I have performed wedding ceremonies for many of those students and many of those kids uh, who are now adults. Uh, I've been to the hospital and prayed over those babies when they were born, and I've even had to preach funerals for some of those students and some of those kids that I coached and taught. And uh, I don't take any of those relationships for granted. I truly believe they were divine appointments. I believe God had a plan and a purpose for me, and I believe God has a plan and a purpose for every single person, even you in this building this morning. You may be here, and you may think it's random, or you may think, well, I I always come, and it's just, you know, it's just something I do. I just don't believe in random, and I just don't believe in circumstance. I believe that God has a plan, and God has a purpose. Almost 12 years ago, I sat down with a friend of mine. I sat down with a mentor of mine, I sat, da- I sat down with uh, a church member from, from another church, and we started talking about this thing called Celebrate Recovery. And many churches were talking about it, and pastors were talking about it, and we started to meet together, and we started to pray together. And again, uh, God put this in our midst, and for over 12 years now, we've had Richland Celebrate Recovery, and First Baptist Church, Ravel hosts it, and I remember in those meetings, they said, pastors, we're going to have to sacrifice because uh, we're going to do this on Thursday evenings, and we're going to need your help to, to preach, and we're going to need your help to, to meet with people and counsel people and pray with people, and I remember sitting in that room, and, and I just remember God being on me, and I said, hey, you can count on me as long as I'm here and as long as the Lord... Um, allows me to be a part of it, I will be a part of it. I, I will be here. You can count on me. And so I remember that moment, and uh, we were sitting in my office, and I was, uh, you know, barely your pastor. I, it was in my first year of being your pastor, and I remember saying, God, how are you going to use this? God, what, what, what can I do? And again, divine appointments. I have met so many people through Celebrate Recovery, and I've been able to preach Jesus Christ to so many people, divine appointments. Today, we're going to see a very good example of a divine appointment. Last week, I I introduced you to this guy named Philip. Now, 
understand, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 6 that Philip was already full of the Spirit and already full of wisdom. In other words, before we ever read his name, Philip was already faithful to God. He was already sold out to God. He was already surrendered to God, and he was already ministering to people. But in Acts chapter 6, he was called by God to wait on tables, to be a part of kingdom ministry with the apostles. And so last week, we saw that the church was scattered, and when the church was scattered, Philip, on his way into Samaria, he began to preach and teach about Jesus. As a matter of fact, we noticed that Philip, right, Philip was called by God to be a minister. And so he ministered in Samaria, and many, many people were saved. That's what the Bible says. Many people were baptized. If you'll remember, the apostles sent Peter and John, and Peter and John had to see what was going on in Samaria. It, 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 was, a, it was a revival, if you will. Christians were telling people about Jesus, and people were getting saved and baptized. And the apostles came, and listen, they laid their hands on people, and the Holy Spirit fell. And the Holy Spirit baptized new believers. It was an incredible, incredible experience. And right in the middle of that, we come to Acts chapter 8, and we see this passage beginning in verse 26, where Philip was now being called by God to go to the desert road. Now, I want to ask you a question. When I say the word desert, how many of you want to sign up and go there? I asked my wife this week, I said, Marty, when I say desert, what do you think about? She said, empty. I said, yeah, me too. Dry, barren, hot, right? I mean, if you think it's hot in Louisiana, let's go to the Sahara Desert for a, for a week and see what it feels like. I'm going to be honest with you, when I read the word desert, I really don't want any part of that. You know, I would rather go to the tropical island. Anybody want to go there? I would rather go up in the mountain by the river, right? Uh, some of you might would not mind going to the beach, right? But the desert, understand this, Philip was called by God to go to the desert road. He was called by God to leave the crowds, called to leave this time and place of spiritual awakening and spiritual excitement to go to the desert road. And he would have known. He would have known exactly what that was. It was the desert road that led from Jerusalem to Gaza and eventually into Egypt, into the country of Africa, the land of Cush is what the Old Testament calls it. And do you know what the Jewish people called that road? It was the road that led to the ends of the earth. That's what they called it. The road that led to the ends of the earth. Now, do you think that's a coincidence? I hope not, because I'm going to tell you what it says in Acts chapter 1. Jesus said, you will receive power when my spirit comes on you. And not only that, you'll be my witnesses. Guess where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and where else? To the ends of the earth. Tell me God don't have a plan. And tell me God don't have perfect plans and perfect timing. He does. And when God says something, you can count on it. It's going to happen. And it happened with Philip. Read this with me. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. 
The Bible says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candate, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So what an incredible passage of scripture. Um, just, Just bear with me here. Philip is preaching Jesus, teaching Jesus to the crowds in Samaria. People are listening. People are responding. They're accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Baptisms are taking place. The apostles have come down, laid hands on people. I mean, it is the place to be if you're a preacher, if you're a teacher, where you've got the crowds who are listening and the crowds who are receiving Jesus Christ. And then, being filled with spirit and being filled with wisdom, Philip hears the voice of God through the angel. And God, as we see in this passage, directed Philip to a certain place. He directed, he led Philip to a certain place. Understand, Philip was a part of that church in Jerusalem. That church that was being persecuted and then that church that was scattered and so he did, he did exactly what God told him to do. Tell people about Jesus on your way. Wherever you go, on your way, tell people about Jesus. He got to Samaria, he told people about Jesus. And now God was directing him to go further with the gospel, to go further with his testimony. He called him to the desert road, the road that, that led to the ends of the earth. And Jesus told his followers that they would have power, power to preach, power to teach, power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, be my witnesses. What does that mean to be a witness? That means to tell people what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced. And so Peter, he surrendered to God. He surrendered to God's calling in his life to tell others about Jesus, no matter what, no matter where. And so now God directs him to go to a certain place. Listen, he had a specific place for Philip to go. And this time, the audience was one. Think about that for just a minute. I'm not going to lie to you. I get excited when I see the, the pews filled. But I also get excited when I go to the school and I get to meet with a group of kids that's about 20. Right? I, I get excited when I go to celebrate recovery, whether a hundred's there or five's there. I get excited when I get to tell somebody about Jesus. I, I get excited about that. And what we see about Philip is that he was excited about telling somebody about Jesus, and the number didn't matter to him, and neither did the place. Isn't that awesome? God directed him to a certain place, and not only that, God directed him to a certain person. I mean, he, he said... Go here, go here, go now. And he directed him to a certain person. See, on the road, 
Philip met the Ethiopian eunuch. And that was not a circumstance, right? That was not some random circumstance. That didn't just happen to happen. No, it was specific. It was what I call a divine appointment. Think about this Ethiopian eunuch for just a moment, okay? He was a very important person. The Bible tells us he was an officer for the queen of Ethiopia, which means this guy had much influence and had an opportunity to make a huge impact. So it wasn't just random. This was specific. This was divine. And what we find out about this Ethiopian eunuch is that he had been to Jerusalem. What did it tell us about the Ethiopian eunuch that's pretty important? Why did he go to Jerusalem? He went to worship. That's exactly right. Listen, in my opinion, and what I see in the Scripture is that God had already begun a work in this man. This man had already heard about the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. He had already heard about this God. And he went to Jerusalem, the Bible says, to worship. Now, being a eunuch, that meant that he could not enter the temple. That's according to prescription In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy said a eunuch could not enter the temple to worship, so he could not fully experience worship. What he could do was he could go to the outer courts. He could go to the outer courts and offer up worship there. But it wasn't a full worship experience, maybe like he wanted. I believe this eunuch wanted to know more about the God of Israel. I believe he wanted a relationship with the God of Israel. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God's plan is perfect and so is his timing. Because God said, I got somebody for you. I got somebody for you. His name is Philip and he's going to meet you on the way back home. See, God's plan is perfect. God's time is perfect. And when his children obey him, not question him, not say, oh, well, let me keep on praying until you show me more signs. No, when God's children are obedient, to do what God says, when he says it, and where he says it, oh man, something incredible can happen. See, what I see about Philip is that Philip immediately and completely obeyed God. Think about that for just a moment. He immediately and completely obeyed God. We already know that Philip was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of wisdom. And now we see him walking in that spirit. Walking with the Spirit, not a step behind, not a step across. No, step by step with the Spirit. He's walking with the Spirit. We don't see him second-guessing God. We don't see him asking for more signs or asking for more words. No, what it says is, it says Philip went. That's what it says. You ain't got to tell me twice. You ain't got to show me no more signs. I heard you, God. I'm gone. That's what we see in Philip. It is immediate obedience, and it is complete obedience. And here's what we see also about Philip. Philip was ready, wasn't he? Philip was ready. He was ready to listen, and he was ready to talk. Philip was ready. I love this. He had a message, and he had a mission. Have you heard me say that before? Well, guess what? You're going to hear me say it again. Today, next Sunday... And the Sunday after that, Lord willing, Philip had a mission because he had a message. Look at this. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 32. He asked him, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch said, how can I? Unless somebody explains it to me. And Philip's like, let me have it. 
This is the passage, beginning in verse 32. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all of the towns until he reached Caesarea. Listen, this passage that the eunuch was reading, it's the passage about the suffering Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the passage found in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. That's the passage of Scripture. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that was random? If you do, you you got more faith than I do. I don't think that was random. Okay? I don't think it's random that the eunuch went to Jerusalem wanting to learn more about God, wanting to worship the God of Israel, wanting to know how to be in relationship with God. And then on the way back, he's reading the prophet Isaiah and he's reading this passage, right? Because let me just tell you, this is the passage that Jesus read too. And the teachers of the law didn't like the way Jesus read it. The teachers of the law wanted to point to someone else. The teachers of the law, they even debated, who was Isaiah talking about? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. It's all about Jesus. And so Philip was willing and he was prepared to share Jesus with this Ethiopian eunuch. When he heard that passage, don't you know that it was like music to his ears? Don't you know it just lit him up? like a Christmas tree, lit him up, right? He was ready to shine the light of Jesus on this Ethiopian unit. He was willing and he was prepared. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit and when you are walking with the Spirit in immediate and complete obedience, I'm gonna tell you, God will give you what you need and God will give you all you need to glorify him through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if you have Jesus, you have enough, amen? If all you have is the name of Jesus, you have enough. You want to know why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And that's what Philip had. And he was willing to share Jesus and he was prepared to share Jesus no matter what. He may have not had anything else in common with this Ethiopian eunuch. He may may have struggled in his mind, you know, what am I doing here in the desert road, right? What am I doing here? Why why am I not back in Samaria where there's crowds of people that want to know about Jesus? But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible said he he went where God told him to go because he knew God had a 
divine appointment. God had a plan and God had a purpose, not just for him, but for somebody. And it was Jesus. And what we see here is that Philip told him, hey, this passage is about Jesus. It says Philip told him the good news about Jesus. I'm pretty sure he told him how Jesus fulfilled that scripture with his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection. I'm very sure he told him that. You want to know why? Because the Ethiopian eunuch accepted Jesus and got baptized. That's what the Bible tells us. It was the right time and it was the right place. They just happened, right? They just happened to be traveling along and look out the window and go, oh, there's a body of water on the desert road. Think about that for just a second. Is that random? Is that coincidental? No way it's not. It's called divine providence. It's called divine appointment. God knew exactly what he was doing. And Philip was surrendered, right? Aren't you glad Philip made room? Like we just sang just a few moments ago, he made room. And he said, this is my surrender, right? To do whatever you want me to do. To do whatever you want to do in me and through me and with me. The Ethiopian accepted Jesus. He was baptized. He experienced a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And listen, did he ever experience a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit? Because what does the Bible say? As soon as he come up out of that water, right, he's a new creation, a new creature in Christ. And, and not only was he baptized with the Holy Spirit, but he saw the Holy Spirit work, didn't he? Because what happened to Philip? That's what the Ethiopian was saying. What happened to Philip? Like, he's looking around like, what happened to the dude that just told me about Jesus and baptized me? He gone. Right? Now, thankfully, we got the Scriptures because the Bible tells us the Spirit took him away, right? Much like he did Elisha, right? He took him away, but he didn't just take him away and it be random and it be... No, it, he took him to another place to do what? To tell people about Jesus. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And that's something only God can do, amen? This was a divine appointment. And instead of standing there, right... In confusion and amazement, did you see what it said about the Ethiopian eunuch? He shrugged his shoulders and said, oh well, I'm a new man. The Bible says the Ethiopian eunuch responded with joy, right? And listen, in the New Testament, when we see joy, right, it is always associated with a gift from God that is a fruit of the Spirit, I'm not making this up, by the way. That's Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. So, boy, oh boy, did he have a story to tell when he got back, right, to the queen and to, to the court, to his family, to anybody that, that would listen to him? Oh, yeah, he had a story to tell. He had a story to tell about what God did to him and for him and through Philip. And I believe he shared his joy with whomever he encountered all along the way. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. And it's not one that we should just read over and go, yeah, that's cool. No, it's something we should read over and go, wait a minute. Who am I? Who, who am I? Who do I belong to? Why am I? I'm going to tell you something. If you're a child of God, you're not random. If you're a child of God, there's nothing in your life random. 
If you're a child of God, you belong to Almighty God through Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. And if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says that He dwells in you. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you, and you have purpose. Not only do you have purpose, but you have power. You have the power of God inside of you. Listen, I believe this. I believe in this passage of Scripture. I love this because when they read Isaiah, it's all we need to know about Jesus. Jesus is the suffering Savior who lived, died, and rose again to save all who believe. Listen, if you believe that, then you got a message inside of you. You don't have to know every single scripture, every single book of the Bible, every single chapter, every single word. You got a message inside of you, and it's Jesus Christ. He suffered and died, and he rose again. That's a pretty powerful message. And I'm going to tell you, that's the message that saves. And what I love about this passage of scripture is that it helps me go backwards, if you will, Because if I go backwards, do you know what God says in Isaiah chapter 56? In Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 through 8, God says to the foreigners and to the eunuchs. He says to those who are not Jews, right? He said to those who are outcasts. He says to those who are out there. He says to the foreigners and the eunuchs that he will give within his temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons or daughters and he will give them joy in his house of prayer because of the Lord. Jesus Christ died to save all who would believe. To save all who would believe. Not just the Jews but the Gentiles. Don't you know that's why Jesus told his apostles, oh, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but also in Judea, also in Samaria? Oh, yeah, you're going to reach all nations, all tribes. There will be no racial divides. There will be no cultural or social divides. We're going to knock those walls down, boys. And we're going to go out there and we're going to tell the world. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell them of my life, my death, and my resurrection. And the power of the Holy Spirit will be upon you. And you will baptize them in my name, the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. You will go to the ends of the earth for me. That's what Jesus said. Amen? I'm not making this up. You can read it in Matthew. You can read it right here in Acts. That's what Jesus said. And so here's the truth, right? Here's the truth. If we belong to Jesus, then guess what we have? We have a message, and guess what else we have? We have a mission. We have a message, and that message is, God loved me so much that he gave his one and only son to live for me, die for me, rise from the grave for me, so that if I would believe in him, I would not perish but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. God loves us. Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. Listen, that's the message. That's the gospel message. And that's all you need because when you have Jesus, guess what you have? You have enough. You have enough. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, then you have the message and guess what? You have a mission. 
God is calling you to tell your family about Jesus. Right there where you are, your Jerusalem, so to speak. God is telling you to tell your school, to tell your workplace about Jesus. Maybe that's your Judea. God is telling you to tell people at the restaurants, right? God is telling you to tell people at the ballparks about Jesus and about who He is and about what He's done for you. Maybe that's your Samaria. And I'm going to tell you, maybe God's calling you to a desert road. Our brother Brandon McQuillan, our children's pastor, just came back from Honduras. Guess what he was doing in Honduras? Playing? Well, maybe. But in the midst of playing, you know what he was doing? He was telling people about Jesus. Maybe he was playing with some kids and telling them about all this beautiful world that God created and about how they are God's special possession. That God loved them so much that he would send his only son Jesus to live for them, die for them, rise from the grave for them so that they might have life full and eternal. Maybe God will call you to a desert road. Maybe it'll be a place where the lights aren't real bright and there's no cameras. And maybe it's one person. Maybe it's five. Maybe he will call you to an audience of three or four hundred. But wherever God calls you, whenever God calls you, to whomever God calls you, understand it is a divine appointment and you have the opportunity to immediately and completely obey and watch what God can do and watch what will God do, right? He will do way much more, so much more than we can comprehend. That's our God. And so how dare we sit on the message? Or how dare we shove the message off to somebody else like the Sunday school teacher or the deacon or the pastor when we've got the message too? How dare me hide behind the title of pastor and say, well, I do that on Sunday mornings and that's enough. I hope not. I hope that's not your pastor. I hope your pastor has the courage and the boldness that if God says, tell this person you're standing beside in the line at Chick-fil-A about Jesus, he'll do it. And you can ask a few people. I'm, I might have done that once or twice. Because I love it. I ran a race. I ran a race Thursday, just a, just a race, 5K race. I love running with people. And I got to have some conversations with some people. One, one, of, the pe- one of the people that I ran with, I've run several races with, and I, I guess I just failed to tell this person that I was a pastor at the church. But anyway, we started talking, and this person said, you just seem excited. I said, well, I am. I said, man, God has given me legs and given me an opportunity to race. And, and I said, why would I waste that? I said, God is good to me. And it was an opportunity for me to say, you know, there are people that can't run. And there are people that don't take advantage of God's goodness. I don't want to be one of those. I want to be one that takes advantage of everything God gives me. I just, I was able to have a gospel conversation. And I told this person, hey, you can come on Sunday morning and watch me preach. I'm just as excited in the pulpit as I am on that starting line. I said, I get a little fiery and a little excited when I'm in the pulpit, when I'm telling people about Jesus. I said, probably more so than when I'm on that starting line. And a whole lot more than when I'm crossing that finish line wore out. It was just a, it was just a neat opportunity. Here's the thing, though. Was that circumstantial? I don't think so. I, I listened to what this person had to say, 
And I had an opportunity to say something in response that pointed to my Creator. And every one of us have those opportunities. Every one of us. And it don't matter your title or your position. And I'm going to tell you something else. It don't matter about the title or the position of the person you're talking to. It don't matter what country he or she belongs to. It don't matter where they are in their walk of life. We're not called to look, up on, look on people with judgment and condemnation. You know what we're called to do? We're called to look at them like Jesus looked at them. As another person who was created in God's image who needs to know about Jesus. Who needs to know that there's more to this life than just getting from point A to point B to point C so you can get back to point A and start all over again. I believe there's a lot of people on, on, on what I call the rat wheel, right? In the cage, the little rat, just spinning the wheel, gets off, eats a little bit, gets back on the wheel. And just, I'm going to just tell you something. That's not life. That's not life God created for you and for me. It's so much more than that. And if it's more than that for me, I have to believe it's more than that for any and everybody else I come in contact with. So why would I let them keep getting on the wheel and spinning around and around, going nowhere, when I can introduce them to the man who can change their life forever and give them purpose and give them power? Amen? I'm not here to lift Philip up today. And Philip, if he was here, wouldn't want to be lifted up. I'm here to lift Jesus up today. Because every word that came out of Philip's mouth, it was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he let Jesus do what only Jesus could do. And he was surrendered. And God said, okay, son, you're done here. Took him off to the next place. And maybe it was a crowd or maybe it was one or maybe it was a pause. I don't know. We're going to see Philip again, okay? He's known in the Bible. Matter of fact, he's the first one known in the Bible as an evangelist. We'll get there. Hang with me. We'll get there. We're not done with Philip yet, but I'm going to tell you this. It's all about Jesus. Nothing else and no one else. It's all about Jesus. I hope you'll make it about Jesus, and I hope you'll tell somebody else about Jesus.